Hello everyone. I am popping in here late night on a Monday to give you a little update on the Mark Redwine trial. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the case in which Mark Redwine is accused of killing his 13-year-old son Dylan during a court-ordered visit, you can catch up on this case by listening to the two-parter episode, which is episodes 9 and 10. Most of the articles that you're seeing pop up in your feeds right now are either recaps leading into new coverage of the case, or there are some out right now of coverage of today's opening statements. Uh, but if you didn't have a chance to read these on your own, I figured I could just provide a quick update as well as give you a little recap of the opening statements from today, which was June 21st. Sources have differing information on how long this trial is going to take. Some peg it at the end of July or beginning of August, while another slated that it could not be concluded until the end of December. So, and if the case were to not conclude until the end of the year, that would mean that we would pass the ninth anniversary since Dylan's initial disappearance. Uh, reporting by Michael Roberts for Westward did provide a piece of information that I did not give to you previously. His article noted that Mark Redwine's home had undergone a really big renovation in the March of 2012, and Dylan had not been in his home often through that year, leading up to his fateful November trip. So this means the blood evidence that was found in the home is relatively fresh and really could not be claimed to be from an older incident by the defense during trial. Jury selection took place last week, uh, so that was the week of June 14th, and it clearly all went as planned because opening statements did take place today, which again is June 21st. Uh, so let's do a little rundown on how these opening statements went. Uh, I have also included a WebEx link that you can use to watch this footage live. Uh, it is going to be on AltitudeCrime.com and will be included in the description section of this update episode. This WebEx link is hosted through the Colorado courts, uh, so you're really getting it from the source if you're watching it there. I don't know if it is capped or whatnot, but it may be a good way to watch if you're interested in keeping totally abreast of the court case. With that said, I watched the footage of the opening statements from today on a version on YouTube, and this, the link for both the prosecution and the defense opening statements will also be on altitudecrime.com. And I have to say, the comments kind of made me really mad. So please keep in mind when you're watching this footage or as you continue to watch the trial, this filming and footage is not for our entertainment. It's not to quench our thirst for this case. And I understand that a lot of us are really invested and we have it coming from a good place, but there are people complaining about that the footage wasn't HD, that the audio wasn't good enough, that the camera angle didn't let you see enough. Let me be insanely clear. Right now, that jury are the only ones that matter. As much as we may all want a front seat and we want to see justice done, to me, as long as that jury is able to see and hear and get that information, that is all that matters. 
I think there's a little bit of extra quench for wanting to see some footage in this case because the judge has actually decided there will be no cameras in the courtroom. So this footage being supplied by the Colorado courts is the only footage that you will see of these courtroom proceedings. Uh, so just please be understandable about it. Again, this footage is not for us. It's for people who can't be in the courtroom due to COVID restrictions that are still kind of in place. You can see by looking at the general seating that people are spaced out a lot. So, I mean, we all have a heart in that we want to see justice done here, but have a heart in that this filming is not for you. <laughs> It's not for us. It's it's an amenity that the court is putting out there, but it is not and should not be the focus of this case. So I will hit some highlights from the opening statements for the prosecution. Uh, I'm not going to go really, really in deep to the story or evidence since um, I do have episode 9 and 10. You can refer back to if you need to catch up or need to get a refresher. Uh, But I will share any information that is new that I haven't shared with you yet. Uh, But again, if you haven't listened to the other two episodes, I really, really recommend stopping right here and getting brushed up before you move forward. So the prosecution's opening statements were about one hour long, and they were very hard to hear. That is legitimate. The audio um, was not super great because it seems that the mics are maybe at the prosecution and defense tables, the judge's stand, and the witness stand. Uh, So when an attorney gets farther away to address the jury, they move away from that mic, and that's part of what made it hard to hear. Um, But overall, I feel like I got most of the information that was to be had. So here's some highlights from that prosecution opening statement. So they first hit hard with a humanization of Dylan, a picture of him and his friends. They laid out the timeline of Dylan arriving in Durango, hitting a home that the hug he gave his mom at the airport would be the last one she would ever receive from him. They noted how Dylan had told everyone that he did not want to go visit his dad. They showed Dylan had been at McDonald's and Walmart with his dad. So again, prosecution hitting hard with that saying, quote, no one would ever see Dylan Redwine alive after that again. No one would ever hear from Dylan Redwine alive after that, unquote. They touched base briefly on blood evidence. They speculated that the crime was carried out in a, quote, violent rage, unquote, They showed multiple maps of where Dylan's body was found and how close it was to Mark Redwine's residence or how he would have been familiar with the area. We will hear from Dylan's friend who was supposed to see him the day after he arrived in Durango. And the prosecution explained how Dylan had said in a text message with his friend that he would call him all day long if he did not answer the door when he was supposed to come at 630 that next morning. But Dylan never came and Dylan never called. They described the extensive searches for Dylan in the initial and not so initial days of him being missing. And the prosecution again painted a really emotional picture of how the night of the first search, Mark Redwine's house lights went out at 11 p.m., not really seeming like a frantic parent or a parent wanting to leave the lights on for their child to come home. So this was a new piece of information. Searchers were also determined to find him because Dylan showed up to Durango in November in Colorado with no coat. So also proposing that 
the runaway story would not be so spot on if he was going out there without a coat. They did touch on the photo that Dylan had found of his father and how that was affecting their relationship. They brought up Mark Redwine's current explanation for Dylan's blood in his home, which was that they had played with a Nerf football and Dylan had got hit in the face and bled from that. There was also a brief review of slides of Mark Redwine's home and where blood evidence was found. This confirmed something that I was questionable on earlier. So the blood found in the home was not visible and was found with luminol then followed with another chemical that verified it was human blood, and then they did another testing confirming that the DNA was to be Dylan's. They also backed up that the person doing this crime scene investigation has been doing so for 10 years. Uh, They did give a little disclaimer that some of the blood that was found was a mix that could have been Corey or it could have been Mark because they are all related. Uh, But the blood that was found on the couch was found that the only source could be Dylan. It was very specific to just Dylan's DNA. They also shed light on something I was wondering. Uh, So no identifying items or belongings were found with Dylan's remains. Only the clothes that he had been wearing or portions of them, I should say. But this still leaves the question of where the rest of his belongings are. Um, But I'm not sure if that's something we're going to learn in this courtroom time or not. We will see. Some of the witnesses and experts that we will see is the cadaver dog handler and a wildlife expert uh, that will touch base on how the remains are not indicative of an animal that resides in Colorado and activity that would be indicative of a Colorado animal. They touched base on the exact physical evidence on Dylan's skull, and we will be hearing from a coroner and pathologist a little bit later on. They then closed with saying that the jury will hear beyond a reasonable doubt that Mark Redwine murdered his child. They are pursuing a second-degree murder charge as well as child abuse resulting in death. They ended the opening statements by asking that the jury find Mark Redwine guilty. Okay, so long list from the prosecution, but we do have some big points from the defense's opening statements as well. They were also about an hour long. So the attorney actually got called out right away for calling Mark Redwine Mark, which the judge does not allow in his courtroom. I'm assuming this is just a little bit too much of a personification. He told him he had to use either Mark Redwine, first and last name, or just Mr. Redwine. Defense said that Mark Redwine was going through a really horrendous time because he both lost his child and has also been blamed for it. They are pegging that in everyone's sadness, he has become a sort of scapegoat and everyone has kind of laid their emotions on him. They also elaborated that this would be a wrongful conviction if he were to be convicted of the crimes. The defense attorney brought up at one point that there was one essential question, but I had a hard time picking up what that actual question was due to the audio quality, but it did tie to them talking about that Redwine had reported Dylan missing to the U.S. Marshals early in the day, which is a little contradictory to what I've read. I've heard he's go- he had gone to them but didn't file an actual report, so we'll see how that hashes out in trial. And they also pointed out that he did allow authorities in his home pretty early on, so, you know, if he was cleaning up this whole thing, why would he do that? 
is kind of the the thought there. The defense also pointed out that Dylan was kind of used as a prop in the degrading relationship between Mark Redwine and Dylan's mom, Elaine, um, and that she had kind of used that living with his dad was a threat kind of when he did something wrong. So they uh, are also kind of bringing in that relationship dynamic. So the speculation from the defense is that Dylan ran away and that the damage to Dylan's body was due to an animal attack, maybe even from a bear or a mountain lion. Or they're also alleging that it could have even been someone else that killed him, but not their defendant. They also noted that there was no evidence of actual cleanup, a cleanup process in the house. Uh, And they will be bringing in an expert to testify that the evidence in the house is not consistent with the kind of wiping and kind of cleaning motions you would make. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that. That seems like it could be an interesting point in the trial. I don't know if I will necessarily believe it or not. Unfortunately, as much as we like to think that all experts are doing the right thing, you can also shop around a bit. So I'll be curious to see what that comes out with. Uh, They also noted that Dylan did not keep a phone charger at his dad's house so that this could be the reason why there was no further phone contact from him was just that his phone died. They also rebuted the notion that there's a lot of distance between Dylan and his father in the footage at Walmart um, and they refute that that's not because of the relationship the two had but more because his dad was poor purchasing boring things like cornbread that would be not really fun for a 13 year old to go out shopping for. The lawyer continued to get in trouble throughout his opening statements for calling Mark Redwine just Mark as I mentioned earlier and the judge actually counted out that he'd done it about six times about two-thirds of the way through the opening statement. Uh, The defense did note an incident, again, I'm a little garbled on this, but they did talk about an incident in which Dylan was caught hitchhiking, and and this enforces their potential theory that he could have been picked up by someone and met his fate at someone else's hands. At the end, uh, the defense asked the jury to be brave and be strong and find Mark Redwine not guilty. So in my own opinion, again, I'm not a legal analyst or anything else. I'm just a person who watched two hour long videos and got what she got out of it. Um, But I will say it seems the prosecution's opening statements were certainly more polished. The defense was composed, but did pause quite a few times. And you do have the calling out by the judge, especially initially on. And as a person who just also views these people as human, that's got to be a little nerve wracking going into this opening statement and getting kind of derailed first thing off. That would definitely put you off your game. So I think today the prosecution just really had more showmanship and you can personally read that however you would like. I will say in watching reactions throughout the opening statements, Mark Redwine did seem pretty engaged throughout the whole statement process. Um, At the end, the judge, of course, instructed the jury as to confidentiality and how to arrive in the morning. So proceedings will start again tomorrow morning, June 22nd at 8 a.m., Again, the WebEx link to join those courtroom proceedings directly from the Colorado courts 
uh, will be on altitudecrime.com. Again, just listed in the description for this update. And I am sure there will also be some YouTube versions as well. The one that I found to watch today, which I did not watch live, I watched after the fact, was through Law and Crime. Again, the link to both of those will also be on the website. So this is really all we know as of right now. I will keep the updates coming as the trial continues. Um, I can't promise that it will be, you know, super, super often, but I will try to keep you apprised as things keep moving. Um, and of course, if you have questions, feel free to reach out Instagram at Altitude Crime Podcast, Facebook and Twitter at Altitude Crime. And remember to follow or subscribe to Altitude Crime wherever you listen or you won't get a heads up that these updates are coming out. So that is it for today. I also um, apologize if this is kind of a rough recording, but I wanted to get this out so you guys had it to uh, get a refresher as we go farther into the trial. So thanks so much for listening to this little update. I will keep you apprised as we move on, and we will hope for justice for Dylan Redwine. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you on Sunday.